Is romance in movies and TV shows dead? We answer that question and more this week on Only Stupid Answers. Everybody and welcome back to Only Stupid Answers. This is the show where we answer your questions about movies, TV shows, comic books, romance. Oh my God, we're going to be talking about romance and movies this week. You bet we are. I'm your host DJ Woldridge. With me, as always, is Roxy Stryer. Roxy, how are you doing? I feel like I twisted your arm on this one, DJ, I, or I've inundated your brain. Romance, maybe lover, that. Love, ship, <laughs> lover, love, shipper ships, and you were like, you know what I think we should do this week, and I was like, yeah. oh no. Yeah, so grateful to do the show with you because it does allow me. You know, there's uh, for for people that don't know. Only Roxy knows. I don't. Every, I'm telling you all right now what we're doing. Um, there's been a lot of discourse online about romance in movies and and sex in movies and stuff like that. Um, um, and about we're not doing it enough or we're doing it too much or yada yada yada. And I can't think of a better person to talk about this with than you, Roxy. I think you're the perfect person to discuss this with, and it's been on my mind. And so it allows uh, us an opportunity to kind of dive into it because I think there's a lot of interesting stuff to unpack here. Yeah, I do too. And um, this is something that I pay attention to in every movie and every TV show I watch, maybe more so than the plot. Maybe more so than the dialogue. Maybe more so, like, I care so much about love. Mm-hmm. And it is it is bizarre, the trend that maybe we're on. Um, and I don't know necessarily that I think, think it's a bad thing, but I do think it's worth exploring why we're here and where we are. Yeah, 100%. Because I think I'm, I, I don't know that I'm even of two minds of it as much as I kind of under... And this isn't fair to say because I don't know all the, you know, because there's the two parts of it. The part of it is the movies and we're ingesting are doing it less. Part of it is the online discourse about it. And the online discourse part about it, I think I understand why some of these trends might be happening, whether I agree with them or not. Um, so anyway, that's that's the main topic today. We're going to be talking about romance and movies, baby. But before we do that, a little business up top. As always, um, if you want to watch this show live or early, ad-free, check out shows like Spider-Versity or Roxy and I doing what we're into. You can do, the, do that over at patreon.com slash answers. Please go check it out. Please give us five-star re- uh, reviews on iTunes and on Spotify. We ask a question every week, so check out the question on this episode. I don't know what it is yet, but you'll see if you listen to it on Spotify. And we're going to start with a little bit of news. And this one's a, a bit... Old. I don't know that there's been any updates since we since it broke, but I've been wanting to talk about it with you, Roxy. I know I mentioned it a couple weeks back. Did you get um, updated on this kind of? I guess you can call it a controversy around across the Spider Verse. I don't think fully, but did, I would love to hear from you. Was it as bad as it seemed? I mean, it's one of those. It's nobody's getting. Um, I was going to say me too. I don't know if that's the correct way to 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 label those things, but it's not one of those situations. But it does mm-hmm. deal with which I think we're having a lot of conversations around, rightfully so, right now around working conditions in Hollywood. So a couple of weeks back, Vulture dropped this article that um, they spoke to uh, people that were part of the animation team for Across the Spider Verse. I believe it was a good chunk of people, but four people specifically um, talk about production on Across the Spider Verse. Um, uh, uh, anonymously 
and they spoke of challenging work conditions. So uh, uh, this is from the Vulture article. Uh, multiple across the Spider-Verse crew members, ranging from artists to production executives who have worked anywhere from five to a dozen years in the animation business, describe the process of making the $150 million Sony project as uniquely arduous, involving a relentless kind of revisionism um, and, compel, and compelled approximately 100 artists to flee the movie before its completion. Um, and of course, this was kind of exacerbated. They interviewed some people on the project, including including Amy Pascal, who's been a major producer on the Spider-Man movies for, I think, ever. Uh, as long as there's been Spider-Man movies, Amy Pascal has been a part of them. And she said, one of the things that uh, about animation that makes it such a wonderful thing to work on is that you get to keep going until the story is right. If the story isn't right, you have to, you, you have to keep going until it is. Um, to the workers, and this is in the article, to the workers who felt demoralized by having to revise final renders five times in a row, the Spider-Verse producer says, I guess welcome to making movies. That didn't go over great. Um, and apparently, Roxy, um, the the impetus of this was Phil Lord, obviously of Lord and Miller. Uh, apparently Miller was kind of, a, uh, for lack of a better term, an absentee dad in this situation. And, and the complaint is that... Um, Phil Lord would come in. So you and I, uh, as opposed to the general listener, probably have a better inside track on making movies. I don't know that either you and I know are experts on animation production. Um, but basically, uh, a scene would be finished. It would be designed. It would be animated. It would be textured. It would go through the five level, level layers of production to be done. And then Phil Lord would come in and be like, change all of it. And that would start the process all over again. People apparently people were hired to work on it, and they just sat around for six months as revisions were being made in in pre production, and they could tell like as things were as things were being delayed that they knew that this would mean a, an avalanche of work for them. Um, the article goes on to say it's common for executive executives on a production to have a big say, but usually they're not as heavily involved as Phil is. Speaking of Phil Lord. As producer, Phil overrides all the directors. They are obviously in charge of directing, but Phil has a note that contradicts their note. His note takes precedence. They have to do what Phil says. So there was a constant change of cuts. With Phil Lord, nothing is ever final or approved. Nothing was really set in stone. Nothing was ever done. Everything was just endlessly moving beneath our feet because they wanted it to be the best it could be. Um, so it, it sounds like... Uh, a really challenging working condition, especially since, um, according to these artists, a lot of people were hired on in a way that, like, listen, we're going to underpay you, but you're going to work a lot of overtime, so you're going to make up for it in overtime, which that's not how overtime should work. <laughs> um, um, and it was this, and, and having seen, and this this is me speculating. What I'm about ready to say now is me speculating, but having seen stuff like 21 Jump Street, which are movies, those movies I really enjoy, I think there was this improvisational stuff that might work better in a live action setting as opposed to animation. Cause there's a lot more lead time. Um, and, um, and it sounds like there wasn't, it, it, it sounds like from reading the article, Phil Lord's production mindset is you make the thing. I'll look at the thing and decide whether that's the thing I want, which I don't, putting myself going back to my days as an editor uh i was like that sounds like a fucking nightmare um 
so those are those are kind of the broad strokes of yeah. the situation we're talking about here. And 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 to to this point, other people, you know, people have said like, oh, there's a production coordinator that says that's not the case. Of course, Sony's denying everything. I will say when Across the Spider Verse came out, a lot of people complained about the sound mix. And so they and Phil Lord went online like, well, if you don't like the sound mix, go talk to the projectionist and ask them to change it or something like, like and that was not him being sarcastic. He was actually asking people to do that. They updated the sound mix, but apparently when that came out, there were more changes to the movie. Lines had been changed, season scenes had been changed. So when an artist says, like, yeah, it was never done, we were all changing it. I think to me that's evidence of like, even when you just had to do a different mix, they still tweak things and change things. Like, yeah, that, it sounds like um uh, micromanaging to me but anyway that's the broad strokes from the article what do you think roxy i'm kind of more torn than you are dj because i think does it sound like a when i when i have a boss yeah and i do a job this happened to me a million times and they don't like what you've done so they ask you to re-record it or whatever and then yeah. you send it to them and, and they give notes and you follow them to a T and then you show it to them and they don't like the notes that they gave. So you have to redo it again. And then you do yeah. that. You know, this, this kind of thing happens on all, all of the time for me. Um, and I'm sure it happens to most artists. Yeah, It's frustrating and you're usually underpaid and exhausted. Um, and those are problems that, I think are kind of separate from this situation. Being underpaid is a problem regardless of how many times you're being asked to do something. Yeah. If you're underpaid, you're underpaid. And that's a problem. But Spider-Verse might be the best looking movie of all time. Mm -hmm. And I don't know that it gets there if you are not like as detail oriented and you don't always know exactly what you want. Sometimes you have to see things and then you ch make changes. And do I think that that sounds like a, the most positive working environment? Not really, but do I think that it made for the best movie? And do I think there was, do I think it made for the best movie? Yes. Do I think there were other ways to make the movie just as good? I don't know. Yeah, I think, um, I, I would push back on the idea that it made the best movie. Like, I know a lot of people are... I, and I really liked uh, Across the Spider-Verse. I do think that considering how micromanaging and nitpicky this seems, um, it is striking. It feels like a movie that do doesn't have a direction um, to me. And so I, I think... And, and this, you know, uh, I might be projecting my own working method. I like to begin with the end in mind. Not that you don't make changes through production. But the idea that you could go in without a plan, make up like hundreds of people work overtime to make stuff for you, then then decide what the plan is, um, is unfair to the people that are you're working with. Um, and I think um, it's... it's uh, I just don't think it's... It, you're not respecting your essentially employees time um and the effort they're pointing in not that you might of course you might make changes but like literally like uh i don't know i think maybe something like this make a thing and uh, dozens of people work to make that thing and you're like nah scrap it do something else 
that's egregious to me. Um, uh, which seems like the situation we're in. It's not like, okay, I've written the script. Here's the plan. We're doing these things. Okay, I think this isn't quite working. This isn't quite working. Let's tweak these things. Let's rework these things. You know, you pick your battles and you kind of like um, uh, to to make the best thing. But you have it going. Uh, have the plan going in like. Going in like, ah, we kind of have a script. Just start making stuff. And once I start seeing stuff, I'll figure out what I want. It's like, well, no, but that's people's time and energy and effort. Um, and I think it's worth respecting that. Um, and listen, y'all, I mean, that's that's how I do. I think the closest, and this is nowhere near the scale of something like this. But you can all judge the merits of that if you read my comic. If you that's the how I did my comic, like we uh, Jane and I had the outline for the all six issues planned before we even reached out to an artist. When we reached out to the artist, uh, we we picked people that we kind of knew it was mine, and and I knew once we got to a stage, like to me, what this sounds like is, I've had it, I've had it penciled, I've had it inked, I've had it colored, I've had it lettered, and now I want a completely different set of pages. But I'm not paying people anymore. That's that's egregious. <laughs> like that's not that's not a good way to um uh treat your workers like i i there's stuff that like once you get to a certain stage it's like i can't go back and ask these people to redo this i just it's not it's not fair it's not fair to them it's not fair to the time it's not fair to what i'm paying them um uh and so you move forward um that's me um uh, and 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 if if across the spider verse was a perfect movie i think yeah maybe maybe but i i do think there's there's some Writing, there's just some some stuff that's weak writing, um, some weak plot decisions. Uh, I do think it looks great, but I think that's less of a credit to Phil Lord than it is all the animators that worked on it. Um, and I think uh, I don't know, maybe there's a middle ground here. I don't know. That's I've said my piece. That's that's what I think about it. But I, I hear what you're saying. I'm also like, I don't know. I, I, I don't, when you're saying that something's egregious, I don't actually think it's egregious. I wish that I did. And maybe I'm so jaded by having been this for so long and so clouded by like, that's just kind of what it has been. But like, I, I don't, I think the money thing, I, again, I think it's separate. I yeah. think it's a separate issue. I think that people are underpaid and that's a fucking problem. But I think a lot of what you're saying is because you think they're being underpaid, that it's unfair to ask them to do something. And I think that the, there's less of a correlation between those things. And like okay. the job I, needs, needs to be yeah. done well. I think that's entirely fair. I think another issue that I would add to the underpaid and that I think you would also clarify is maybe a separate issue um, in that sense is overworked. Um, when you're yes, yeah. Those people, two like, things are huge problems when you've hired somebody to do a job and they're just sitting around for six months waiting for you to figure out what you want to do and then you expect them to do that same six months worth of work in two months that's not that's not a good way to run your production in my opinion um that's right. an irresponsible um, way to run then your production. you need the i think then you need delays like yeah. i i don't actually mind there's i don't find a problem in asking somebody to do something 12 times i just no. don't it's i don't have an issue with that I do have an issue, like you said, with the, um, not being paid more for more work. And I do have an issue with not being given the time to do a job that the job needs. So, yeah. but I kind of like separate those things because uh, yeah. I think that they aren't exactly the same. Yeah. And I think I understand your 
point about not asking somebody to do 12 times, I, I think, and I don't know that I, I know the exact way to phrase what I'm thinking. It's less the idea of asking somebody to do something 12 times, but it's asking somebody to come up with the thing for you and come in knowing what you're trying to do. You know what I mean? Come in with a finished script, come in with a finished vision, come in with a finished and like, Hey, we'll figure it. We'll figure it out as we go. Kind of a thing. Like, don't do that. Don't I, and maybe, maybe that's just me. Maybe that's just the me thing. Um, uh, Artists have different processes. It's just, it's difficult for me to sit here and tell one artist how their process should go. When like, I'm not a method actor. I don't feel like you need to send dead rats to people on set or whatever the fuck it is. But obviously some people are method actors. So it's difficult for me when some people are like, sometimes you just have to be a jackass. And I'm like, I don't think you ever have to be a jackass, but your performance is amazing in something. I'm not talking about Jared Leto. That's my pushback. (laughs) On on paper, I entirely agree with what you're saying, except for the fact your example is, is like, it's not benefiting his performance. So maybe don't do that. Like give X, Y, Z example of every method actor that's ever been a method actor. Half of your favorite actors are method actors. And that's not my process, but, but I can't tell somebody else though. There's one way to do it. And it's Meisner. Like artists are different. And would I come in with a finished script? Yes. But do I think that there is validity in somebody who doesn't do that? And is like, I like my processes. I like to see things and then create. And would that person to be more of a pain in the ass to work for? Yeah, but I I can't say that it didn't make a great product. I understand. And I think maybe maybe the sticking point for me is at that point, it's less, it's more about production. It's more like the day in, day out, like you're doing a job. That's You're in that moment now. And that's how it's impacting people. And I think that all your loosey-goosey, I'm an artist bullshit, like, fine. But these are people working for you on a job. You know what I mean? Like you need yeah. to, at a certain point, you need to buckle down or have somebody else do it. You know what I mean? And also, by the way, um, obviously the directors aren't talking about this. It sounds like this, you're not letting your directors direct. You're not letting your directors do the job you hired them for. You know what I mean? So what the fuck are you doing? You know what I mean? Like, uh, um, and I, you know, whatever. I don't, um, uh, I'm not trying to uh, cast uh, aspersions or whatever, but I, I have been, I guess the best way you describe um, what these people are doing is below the line, even though it's an animated movie, you don't get the movie without them having done yeah. jobs like that. It's like, uh, I think it's very easy for people to top to disrespect those people. Um, and I don't appreciate that aspect of it. Um, and, I forgot the last thing I was going to say. I forgot the last thing I was going to say. Oh, obviously I'm with you. I don't appreciate yeah. anybody being disrespected. I actually don't so think you and I, I think you are more on the same page than we're same not. Page, we're just yeah. phrasing yeah, yeah. it differently totally. and, and, and emphasizing different things that mean different things because you're right. People at the end of the day are different. I just think res- respecting people and the people you're working with should be paramount, paramount. Yeah. Even, even as much as For I think sure. art and creativity fucking matter to me uh, more than probably most people it shouldn't come at the expense of treating the people you work with, with respect. Um, Definitely. I mean, at the end of the day, DJ, I think you said in that article, they said a hundred people quit or something like that. And like, if you have a hundred people quitting, you're clearly not doing a good job. Like regardless of my stance on whatever you are not accomplishing that. If you have 100 people who are veterans of this industry quitting, because they're like, this is ridiculous. 
then clearly either how you're treating them or how you're putting getting it across doesn't feel respectful to them so like that's a problem obviously and maybe you're right maybe it is as i'm going to say as simple as like this is simple but it is just allowing yourself more time if this is the process allowing you and people you work with the time to make that process work without relying on the overtime payment being the compensation that they need um uh i'll end on this line from the article because it really stuck with me artists in the industry are generally very self-critical they internalize feedback and want to and this is one of the artists speaking um they they internalize feedback and want to do their best if they love a project uh they will put in the extra hours uh, for free because they want to prove themselves and they want their work to be good their work is how they get the next job a movie like this is taking advantage of those people creatively but the workers are also vulnerable in another sense they want to stay in canada the and this is me speaking the animation studio is in canada um back to the article they're on visas from countries from which they'd ideally like to immigrate aspirations to immigrate keep them tied to the studio they're underpaid so they need the overtime to pay their bills the relocation package doesn't uh, cover costs so they can only make a production like this when the people doing it feel as though they have no other choice in what they need to do or their financial security um that's no way to live your life and i think this me speaking this ties to the wga strike because and i think roxy uh, i know you can attest to this as well i think one of the weird situations about the industry and is we're here because we love it and that allows us to put up with a lot more that maybe we shouldn't and allows people to take advantage of us and unfortunately neither i mean that's why unions fucking exist so that we collectively can um argue for better treatment um but and unfortunately like i'm not this is not me like trying to get on my sanctimonious high horse because I'm I'm right here fucking putting up with the bullshit to do this shit. I'm not fucking changing the game. Uh, I'm I'm eating the same shit as everybody else to try and like make my fucking thing. So uh, I don't know. Uh, I, I like the Spider-Verse movies a lot. I hope for the next one they improve it because I kind of want to just go in and enjoy all the incredible work these people put in to make a movie that I really love without worrying about how shitty their work conditions were. <laughs> totally, totally. Absolutely. All right. Now we're talking about what the kids have been waiting for. Is romance in movies dead? So just right off the top. So the conversation is we don't have people making kissy face in movies anymore. What's up with that? Roxy, do you feel that? Do you feel like there is less? Obviously, I think it's objective that there are less romance movies and romantic comedies, but are like romantic subplots, just romance and movies not around anymore. Yeah, kind of. And also I find it to be very difficult to, to walk this line. Um, I haven't seen this new Jennifer Lawrence movie yet. I hear it's really good. Actually. I will say, by the way, I'm using in the thumb, no hard feelings. We're not sorry. That's thumb bullshit. We're not talking about it. It's just a something romantic comedy adjacent that I could put in the thumb. (laughs) So there you go, everybody. Um, but I do feel this and I do miss this. You know, I look at all the shows that I'm watching this year. I think I just hit 76 shows that I've watched this year. God damn. We're halfway through. <laughs> Got to so get to that 150 shows. mark. Um, and yet you and still haven't watched Silo. No, <laughs> I know. I know. Um, and, but I did start Jury Duty. So I'm excited about Let me know. Let me know. But have you watched yeah. Primo? No, I'm sorry. That's on the same so, network. It's right on Freebie. Just go over. <laughs> 
One of the shows that I've been watching the last two weeks is, and just like that, which is the Sex and the mm-hmm. City spinoff. So you think if any show on the planet is going to focus on relationships, it's going to be Sex and the City. Yeah. Uh, but they're like not, and there's a lack of sex and it's kind of all city, no sex. Mm-hmm. There's some there's some sex going on, but like even that show has pulled back the amount of relationships. And I think it, it's not a spoiler as long as you're caught up on the first season. Prior to the actor who playing Mr. Big getting in trouble for being a not good guy, yeah, he was already written off the show because they killed him off. Yeah. And the reason that they did that was because they had Carrie and Mr. Big together and they seemingly, I think that I've read articles about this where they're like, he couldn't, she can't grow if she's still with him. Like there's nothing else for the character to do if they're with the love of their life. And mm-hmm. I just wholeheartedly disagree that it can't be interesting to watch a relationship like yeah. a real love relationship. I just don't agree with that. I don't think, and, and I do think that that is the stance of a lot of movies and television shows right now that like you have to end the show with you finding your person. Uh, we just watched this. This was my biggest gripe on Ted Lasso. As yeah. you know, like to me, the final season to not have Keely and Roy end up together was fucking ridiculous but these shows seem to be down on and it's not just shows it's movies too they seem to be down on love and down on these lasting relationships it's not just sex it's like these epic romances i don't know whether people are jaded or they're really reflecting the times because i do think dj and you you obviously are an anomaly in this and and not the norm in this but i do think that of our parents' generation, it was very common to be married in your 20s and then live the rest of your life with somebody. In our generation, my story, unfortunately, coming from my perspective, is more common, which is like, you haven't settled down, that might be what you want, but you haven't found your person, and and our, our generation just seems to be different. And maybe that these stories are reflective of that. And so they are showing more career showing more family uh, not your own but like dynamics with your parents or whatever so maybe it is that but i i don't know it's just i really i think that as much as art imitates life life also imitates art and Mm -hmm. we're seeing less of that and then there is less of that and i i think there's kind of a correlation there yeah i think that's interesting and it's interesting that you brought up um just like that, because I've seen this discussion mostly within the context of movies. And what I wanted to run by you, and it sounds like maybe this isn't true, is that I was wondering if maybe we've seen less romance. I think we've seen less romance in movies for a couple of reasons. One, um, for a variety of reasons, studios do not want to invest money in comedies romantic comedy if it's in theaters it's going to have explosions and people punching uh, other people it's going to be dude movies for lack of a better and that's that's not i don't mean to gender it but i think like traditionally that's the way the stuff has been viewed um and so there's not like is that like is the best romance subplot in any of the marvel movies 
Captain America and Peggy Carter and they've only in one movie together. Like is, you know what I mean? It's just not, we don't emphasize that shit a lot in those movies, whether we could or not that we don't. So that's part of it. I was, I wondered. Iron Man if, and Gwen with Paltrow. Yeah. And I actually do think, even though there's not like a, I, I actually, I like their dynamic. I think it works in the, in, in the movies. Um, but I, I wanted to ask you if I, I was wondering if maybe that's because obviously more emphasis putting on TV. And I wonder if the, and more uh, emphasis on serialized TV. And I wonder if maybe that space lends itself more to romantic stories because I, I, I feel like there is a pushback and I think there's some legitimacy to this. Like I, I've been, we talked about in, I don't know when it's dropping, but we did a mission impossible episode. I'm rewatching the movie. So I watched mission impossible too. And it's like Tom Cruise, uh, the love interest of that is Thindy Newton. They meet up and like immediately, boom, we're fucking, we're an item. You know what I mean? Like, and that's not really how like, obviously attraction works that way, but like relationships, like deep, don't typically work that way, I would say. And so maybe the serialized nature of TV shows help that you see relationship grow and evolve and people grow to love each other. But it sounds like maybe even TV's kind of dropping the ball and they're not investing in like romantic growth. If your question is, is TV a better medium to show love and relationships? I think that the answer is yes. Is that what they're doing right now? I don't think that the answer is yes. Interesting. I mean, I, I just going over the main shows that have been massive this year, right? Succession. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I guess there are there's some love relationships on the show, but I don't think theoretically, <laughs> like you know, Tom and Shiv and uh, Connor and whatever her name is. Yeah. And Logan with some women. I mean, there's no, it's not like you're looking at any couple, like I aspire to be that cup. So yeah. And considering our that, four leads are incapable of love. That's a tricky one. <laughs> totally. Um, Ted Lasso. Yeah. Just like really down with love, even though like the Rebecca story, all that kind of ends with hope the final season it's there's, we don't have like a, couple anchoring us yeah we don't all. even have um rebecca and sam which regardless of how you felt about it at least was in line with what we're discussing today totally um yeah. mrs Maisel, uh like the whole point of the show is no I, like i have to pick career i can't pick this man mm. um yellow jackets we don't really focus there's like some things but it's not there's no like dream it couple on that show either uh dave relationships are a mess just going thinking about shows that we've talked about here uh that's true dave specifically sabot the the the, for for joke purposes and i do think it's a pretty fucking good joke but it sabotages what the show kind of sets up as a love is life for a joke like that's the that's the like literally the last moment of the episode that's interesting yeah so and those are just some, I can name 15 more right now, but you're getting the trend that I'm going on, which is just like a lot of these shows, there are, there are love storylines, but they're super fucking messy and they're ro or romantic storylines, but they're super messy. Um, and yeah, even uh, the, I don't want to give spoilers on the bear, but we broached the subject this season and it's like a mess. 
And oh, that's kind of a bummer because you, you know I have mixed feelings on the bear. I just watched episode two, and I think the best moment of the season so far is Carmi meets a girl in the grocery store, and it was one of those like, oh, this is for whatever reason, this is one of the few scenes that really works for me. Like I I like what we're doing here. <laughs> that's interesting that your interpretation was that was him meeting her. Well, um, yeah, I, yeah, they because yeah, okay. <laughs> But yeah. yes, yeah. that that's who I'm talking about. I mean, and they did a great that's, job. This is an audience meter. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Great job with it. But I just like, unlike when we when I was growing up, where I feel like there were so many it couples. Like, who are the biggest couples on TV right now? That you're like, oh, I love that couple. Yeah. That's interesting. But do you think? And back in the day, though, it was a big part of. Sorry, guys, this is going to be kind of scattered as we kind of like navigate what we're talking about here. I, you know, back in the day, the big will they, won't they was a big thing. And like if you ended your will they, won't they, it killed your show. And I, and I think it felt at the time kind of revelatory in something like Parks and Rec where it's like, no, these two are together. And that's the story we're telling is that they are together now. Amy, uh, uh, Amy Poehler and Adam Scott's character. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're not going to play the shenanigans of like, will they break? No, they're once they're together, they're together. And we got like four good seasons after uh, out of that, you know? Um, but even, even the Pam and Jim's of the world or Ross and Rachel's of the world is even the will they won't. They is, they still are, we're like it couples, you know, gotcha. like, that you're rooting. We're for. rooting for them. I get, it. okay. So what we're talking about here is not necessarily, I'm trying to gauge the parameters of what we're trying to to reach here. Not necessarily um, found a person, no problems, whatever, but like a couple that we're rooting for, whether they're together or not, something we can, not just that we're rooting for, it feels like the show, because I think about the Roy and Keeley, felt like the show was actually actively working against us there, but like something the show wants us to root for too. Um, And okay, okay. And, And just, I think maybe... Correct me if you feel like I'm off base here. A general um, openness, or or what's the what's the word I'm looking for? An appreciation of romance. Yeah, like the show's not definitely. going. Ew, no thanks. <laughs> that might be why Bridgerton is so effing successful right now, mm-hmm. because it's one of the only shows or franchises that like centers on a couple, and it is sexy and fun and like one person's pursuing another person okay that makes a lot of sense to me it's not that there's no shows like this right now there's just so so few uh yeah just so so few we have a will they won't they on abbott elementary which is great that's a classic will they won't they and they're good and i'm rooting for them i don't really like how the show the, the show seems to be finding like arbitrary ways to keep pulling them apart and it's like fucking just let it be together man <laughs> like totally. um, but you're but you're right totally. we're the show's rooting for them we're rooting for them they're cute together yes totally yep so that's a good one uh but another show that you and i adore mythic quest mm-hmm. no, like I, I i'm just running down my list of the shows that i have seen this season um it's just there's so so few so something i wanted to 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 broach with this is um you know there's been kind of uh i was actually just reading an, a very interesting article on uh puritines is a phrase that's used a lot anti-fans and kind of like the beginning of like 
going from like live journal to Tumblr and how like fandom kind of went from a sex positive place to a less sex positive place. Um, you know, the puritan things is so weird. Well, it, it, it is, but I do wonder, let me throw this out there. Does it not make sense in the sense that with the Me Too movement and learning how specifically women, but all people have been kind of like uh, abused within the studio system. Does it not kind of make sense that we're maybe we're not so open to see people make out on camera? Because now we don't know, like, is everybody cool with this? Are we cool? Like, is everybody on set cool with this? Like, is this actress being treated well in the sex scene? Are is there intimacy coordinators? Does that to me that it feels like maybe those go the 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 um the kind of like uncomfortability with the depictions of romance, but more specifically sex in in film, kind of might be tied with an uncertainty about the the working conditions. Does that make sense? Makes perfect sense. You know, I just watched. National Lampoon's Vacation. Mm-hmm. Have you seen that movie recently? I, I've not seen, I don't think I've seen any of the National Lampoon movies, but I'm aware, Chevy Chase, right? Yep. Yeah. Okay. Um, That movie has, I'm sorry, this is going to piss people off. That movie has aged so poorly. There are parts that are unwatchable. Yeah. Um, Like unwatchable. And the reason I bring it up is because there is one of the main things that, keeps happening is um beverly d'angelo the wife in it yeah she is like topless the whole time Mm -hmm. randomly when he's like fully clothed yeah often and like trying to seduce it or whatever it is and it feels like she's wildly uncomfortable Mm -hmm. like the actress yeah it feels like that to me watching it Um, so one of the things that I think you could be mentioning right now, you didn't specifically say it, but it's probably more expensive to shoot these sex scenes now because you need the intimacy coordinators. We need to actually, um, block out more hours because we need to make this comfortable for everybody. So maybe movies and shows aren't wanting to do this because it is affecting their bottom line. And it's less about their morals about it. Like, is everybody cool with this? And more about do we have time for this or do we have budget for this? I also wonder if maybe, and I don't, I don't have any data on this, but I also wonder if, because so many of these blockbusters, which it kind of feels like the only type of movies that really make it in theaters are blockbusters are meant to make their money internationally. Like just a couple weeks ago, we were talking about the DC movies. And I was very surprised to see that like, while the flash's domestic opening was weak, it's not as weak compared to other um, other superhero movies, but where they make their monies internationally. And I wonder if maybe there's pushback, like, "Well, fuck! If we have a sex scene in this movie, we're not gonna get, get we're not gonna be in Saudi Arabia." You know what I mean, well, or something about, like that. What about Top Gun Maverick? I mean, that. Well, that oh, but that's a good question. Do you did you did you if it has a romantic subplot? Did it feel romantic to you? It did. Okay. It did. It feels like one of the parts of the movie was that. Did it not feel okay. that way for you? Um, you know, it's it's weird. I I don't know that I feel a lot of heat when it comes to actors like Tom Cruise. I know, um, I know. Or or like as much as I love Dwayne Johnson, like like I, we can without getting into spoilers. Is there a romantic subplot in Mission Impossible? Like it seems like the sh- the movie was like, hey, these two I are items. 
not really, but maybe, are they? Who cares? <laughs> I didn't think so, but I think there's way more in Top Gun than there is in Mission Impossible. Well, yeah, totally, 100%. And obviously, like, but I also wonder with some of those, some of these action franchises, it feels like the female, the woman actress is doing a lot of the heavy lifting there <laughs> um, um, to make that work. I, I was trying to think of, of like, great romantic leading men in our current era. And the only person I could kind of really come up with was Chris Pine. I think Chris Pine does a really good, like I think of like Wonder Woman, like bought it into like totally buy it. Um, I thought that John Krasinski did an amazing job in a quiet place of being the romantic lead in a very tough position. That's interesting. I think you're right, but A Quiet Place is not a movie I think of. No, it's not. I think of like romantic stuff. I also kind of think, um, did you see, you, you haven't seen Bros, have you? No. I, I think you'd so really good. like it. I really, no. I thought it was really good. I thought it was really good. Um, and of course, a big part of that was it didn't make money. And the assumption was, especially for um, the guy that made it, was that it was it was pushed back on it being queer like unabashedly queer which i think is a really great selling point of the movie i think it really makes it stand out but but we don't really get big theatrical rom-coms anymore like we just don't and i think we had this conversation with christian again i don't know when that episode's dropping about like movies are costing too much money it's like well maybe do more kissing and less explosions and you'll save some money you know what i mean like i i I, and i and i don't i i actually kind of don't know what i'm asking for here because I don't necessarily want an action movie where it's like, hey, we had five minutes together and now you're the love of my life and the stakes of the movie are completely dependent on you. Or, uh, uh, but Well, they don't have to have met in the movie. Yes. One, but for some reason, studios think they do, Roxy. I don't know why. Like, it, it, was, my big, yeah. it was my big sticking point with like, the, some of the Amazing Spider-Man movies. It's like, Gwen and Peter could have known each other before this movie started. Like, we didn't need to like waste runtime and then meeting each other. Um, uh, that's just one of the things that pops in my brain, but you're totally right. You're 100% right. That's a good way. Um, and I, I but they I feel not like, feel rushed like that. Like there's like, uh, okay. Like there's history. What'd you say? There's history. There's history between the characters and we're kind of in media res. We're building to that and you're, we're going to see where it climaxes here. No pun intended, but maybe pun intended. <laughs> That's why we think that television is a better medium for it because it, you can tell the full story from start to finish. But even, okay, looking at the summer blockbusters this year, The Flash, there was, Iris West was a non-factor in the whole movie. Like that's yeah. her love interest, complete non-factor. But then we do have something coming up that I think is a game changer. Barbie. Barbie for, yeah. that, that is, it will be weird if that movie isn't at all a romance movie. I know it's going to be a wonky romance movie, but mm-hmm. like, I do think that there is elements of that elemental. The reason I fucking loved yeah. it probably. Uh, um, and that's a smart one too, because it. it doesn't, it doesn't like, this is how they get to be the love of their lives. Like, no, that we build towards them realizing they're in love with each other. That's, that's what we're working towards the whole movie. And so it does feel organic, more organic. Um, than saying like, we're in love. Now what we've just met now we're in love. Now what it's like, no, we've just met. And this is how the relation builds to something more, you know, but also at the same time, DJ, I've never met, I've never in a movie ever. I can't think of a time where I've been like that moved way too quick with them falling for each other. You got to put the pieces together in your head. Like, and also I do feel like nowadays it is bizarro. Maybe it's because dating apps or whatever 
my friends that are single are single. And my yeah. friends that are in relationships, especially because the pandemic or whatever it was, everything feels like it's on an expedited timeline. My best friend met her person and they moved in two months later. Um, my other, one of my closest friends, they are engaged after a year. Like the, another one of my friends who's now been with her husband for a few years, they moved in together on the first date. Like they, there is, it's not like this doesn't exist. It's not like movies are like, this is fast. A lot of people I know say, I love you after a week. It's not my trajectory, but that is, that is also common these days. Yeah. Well, and again, I grew up in a conservative Christian community, so it wasn't like <laughs> the expectation right. was you're going to find your spouse when you're in high school. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. No pressure. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. And I think um, it's interesting when I was looking through the the art, there's, there's an article in Fox by um, Aja Romano, hopefully I pronounced that correctly, about puritans and anti-fan culture. And I had a moment of like, wait. Am I part of the problem here? Am I part of because I, I talking about the pushback against more sex positivity? And if you've read my comic, uh, uh, a lot of a lot of sex and nudity. And so I don't think I'm very puritanical now. I did grow like I just mentioned. I did grow up in a very conservative Christian puritanical community, and so I think that probably doesn't form stuff. But like, like we've talked about Euphoria. I'm not against a show like Euphoria existing. You know what I mean? I'm not against like because teens are falling in love and having whatever. I do think it's worth having a conversation of like, wait, is this show trying to? Because you know, some I'm not against Riverdale, but like when they're like, isn't this fucking teenager so fucking hot? It's like, what? What are we doing? What are we? Not saying you can't. I'm just saying worth having the conversation of what we're the responsibility of the show. Just like there's a lot of violence. You've read my script. There's a lot of violence and there's a lot of gun violence. I've had to internally think about like, okay, what's my responsibility as a creator here? Just saying we should have the conversation. Um, but uh, but it is interesting. It was interesting. I recommend. I'll probably put the link of the article in the description because it is interesting how this the, this pushback against sex and romance and movies comes from a place typically of people you'd consider more socially liberal, but the effect is it has a way of, of silencing queer voices. Um, and especially like in more, in more vocal fan communities. Like I think, like I remember I, back in the day, of course, give me some grace. It was years ago um, when uh, Roxy, you didn't watch legend of Korra, but there was, they introduced a queer relationship in there. And at the time I was kind of more on board of like, I actually think it'd be more interesting if Korra was just like, Hey, I'm good with me. And I felt like the show didn't lay the groundwork for that relationship. Um, mm. But partially that was the fact the studio wouldn't let them. Like literally they could, they were not, Nickelodeon was like, this is a kid show. You can't do that shit, which isn't cool. Um, so it's disappointing. It, it's, it's, I don't know. It's something I'm reflecting on because obviously the, I think the, the, I, if we say it's partially in response to me too, and, or, and concerns about conditions on set or, stuff like that. I think there there's, it's fair to have that conversation, but I think everybody, me included, it's worth taking the time to think about like, if we push back on these things, who, what are we pushing back against? Why are we pushing back against it? Are, are we, are there voices, maybe more marginalized voices that aren't being heard in this conversation? Uh, I think it's worth reflecting on all those things um, as we, as For sure. we consider stuff. The- 
the one couple that we're seeing right now actually have sex on and just like that is actually um, a queer couple. Miranda, do you know who that is? The redhead? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Left her husband like extremely abruptly and fell in love with a non-binary person um, who used to be on Grey's Anatomy. Uh, I forget what their name is, but... Um, and it is interesting that the, what we are seeing on this show is they're the only ones fucking and it's yeah. like all of the time, nonstop, that's what they do. Yeah. And it, it is kind of interesting because I'm like, on the one hand, I appreciate that we aren't silencing the representation of a queer non-binary couple that are we're not shying away from seeing them bone yeah but on the other hand i'm like i don't know this character at all i have no feelings towards this character you literally threw them at us didn't tell us anything about them and now we're supposed to be rooting for miranda to leave her husband for this person like you yeah, kind I've of made a, them the villain of the I, show and I've it's heard like a lot of pushback against that i don't follow the show obviously but i've seen a lot of pushback for that specific plot line and i do think you're touching on something tricky in that like we want more representation, but like sometimes mainstream media is like bad at it. Like it's, it's like, yeah. well, you're not, I appreciate the effort. I think. <laughs> yeah. Like the, the storyline objectively, I feel like is bad and yeah. has made this person um, very not likable, like unbelievably not likable. And it's like, and then the, the subplot is that they're doing their own sitcom and it's the first time that a non-binary person has been the star of a sitcom and that they're annoyed with the studio, that the studio is showing the, uh, them in a bad light yeah. because they feel like they need to be representation for all non-binary people. And I'm like, do they know how meta this is, that that's actually what this show is doing? Yeah. That's what this show is doing, That the show we're watching. like. Mm-hmm. Is that what you're trying to tell me or do you not know? Are you not in in the loop? And it feels like they don't know, DJ. It doesn't feel like they're trying to make commentary on it. It feels like they do not know. And it's like, I do think when we need to wrap up, but I do think as we talk about this, and this might be informed by there was not great as of this recording, not great Supreme Court news this morning. So this might be part of my, where my brain is at. But while I'm not necessarily like, I don't know. I, you know what? I was going to say, like, I'm not a romance guy. My wife just showed me one of her favorite movies, Never Been Kissed. We watched it. Fucking loved it. It was fucking great. It was a blast. Yeah, it was fucking it's amazing. Sean Whalen's in that. My yeah. director for Crest. Yeah. It, that I blew my... Dude, well, one, that was cool because it was after we'd recorded with him. But also, yeah. everybody's in that fucking... Like, literally, yeah. every character's like somebody now. Like, but at the time, I guess they were just like, wait, what? They're fucking in this movie? What the fuck? Anyway. It's a great movie. It's fin- It was fantastic. It was fun. And it made me wish, even though, like, this is not necessarily the genre I would necessarily gravitate to, it made me really bummed. It was cute and the stakes were very, very sweet and reasonable. And it was just a pleasant movie. And it's like, why don't we do this anymore? Like, why aren't, because even our rom-coms have to be like action, like Lost City or whatever with Channing Tatum and um, Sandra Bullock. have to be action movies. Is like, as much as I love action movies and Roxy knows I love action movies, they don't all need to be that. (laughs) I just rewatched How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days. It's amazing. We don't have those anymore. We don't have How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days. And if we do, they definitely go straight to streaming. And I'm missing a lot of them because there's no advertisement for them. Mm-hmm. And it, and it, and I do. So I think it bums me out that I I think this goes hand in hand with the idea that in a weird way, 
for all the progress it, feel, it feels like we've made, we're losing voices and we're losing perspectives. And we're, even if it's as, as potentially surface level as like, man, ah, there's not enough rom-coms anymore. That's still like a genre that people love and means something people. to them. Well, yeah. Like, well, and also like a lot of people, those movies made money and, and I think they still would. That's a bummer. That's a bummer. And I think, I think it's, um, I, I do think, I have paired, no, I, I don't know that it's the right thing to do, but in my mind, I've paired it with kind of our more evolving conversations around um, uh, 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 like Me Too and stuff like that. But um, I think it's it's fair to question like how are we representing romance? Like, is it too soon? Is it not too soon? Roxy, you obviously gave examples of why it wouldn't be too soon or whatever like that. Are we, are we, do we treat it too flippantly or do we not take it with the seriousness it deserves? But in that, like fucking make sexy movies where people make out and shit, man. Like fucking let's, let's do it. Like it's an, it's a core part. Just like I like in movies, we're dealing a lot with generational trauma and family, stuff like that. That's something it feels like we haven't really talked about a lot and we're doing more of it. That's fucking great. We are. But people make out and get in relationships. So we could go back to talking about that fits in there too. We don't need to get rid of it. (laughs) I just refuse to believe that there's no way to make actors feel safe on set to do those things. Like there is. So. Well, and I think for me, I think you're right. And I, and I appreciate you pointing that out because as somebody that wants to be a director and stuff like that, like it's been something that's on my mind. But like. I don't know how to say this. I mean this in a nice way. Actors do silly things all the time. We're asking actors to do fundamentally silly things. <laughs> it's, that's the if it's acting in front of a green screen, what they're doing is silly. And and I'll um, never forget my first commercial audition. They were like, pick the frozen turkey, which doesn't exist, off yeah. the floor and throw it like a football to your dad. Like that's yep. the kind of stuff that I'm doing. Yeah, there's no turkey. There's no dad. But that's what you're doing in something. So like, yes, DJ. Yes, we do. We're playing pretend. So I think in general, my stance is as long as everybody's consenting adults, man, you know, but like really legit consenting, like we legit consenting adults, uh, legit on all those levels insured, like we can be more open to stuff. I feel like we can, we can start being sex positive, romance positive again. I feel like that's because, and also it's not like Me Too did the trick. <laughs> it's not, it feels, yeah. feels unfortunately, it feels like we didn't make much progress on that front. Um, anyway, final, I, final thoughts on this, Roxy, before we wrap up. I feel like we could talk for a whole nother hour about it, but we need to wrap up. Uh, just that I'm a lover, love shipper ships. I would love to see more love because I think it's realistic. Love is everywhere. It's yeah. not something we're trying to pigeon into stories. The love should be in action movies, should be in superhero franchises, should be its own genre. It, it's valuable enough and it's never i don't think it's ever the wrong message to send that we need more love out there totally agree couldn't agree more um thank you everybody for listening roxy uh where can the people find the stuff you're working on everywhere at roxy stryer you can find me at dj talks trash you can follow the show everywhere that matters at only stupid answers but on twitter think of the vowels from stupid and we will see you all next time bye everybody